All right, hello everybody, let's give this a try. Welcome back once again to the Baked and Awake podcast. I'm your host, Steve, as always, and um, I don't know, we're somewhere up around 108, 109 episodes right now. Uh, Try to get a better count for next time out. No big deal though, no worries. This isn't exactly a serialized drama series, right? Um, So it's been a good month since the last episode of the podcast. I think I signed off last time letting everybody know that uh, I was getting ready to do an episode on uh, preparedness, emergency preparedness, the prepping lifestyle, prepping versus survivalism versus bushcraft. What even is that? And, you know, obviously all in the context of topics that we've been talking about and been steeped in here on the podcast for, well, forever, (laughs) the whole time now, right? Uh, Those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while already know this, and I I always like to say this up front at the top of most episodes, if not every episode. If you're new here, you're just getting here, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for spending some time with me and the Baked and Awake podcast. If you haven't already figured it out, this is a cannabis-related podcast. Smoke on this podcast a lot of the time. Talk about cannabis-related news, lifestyle, all sorts of canna info uh, a lot of the time. Not today so much, but be aware. So if you're listening at work or you know, in mixed company somewhere, maybe you're at the family's uh, for the weekend for some reason, um, you know, just be aware of who you're listening to and who you're hanging out with there in your IRL, 3D realm. Um, maybe listen anyway. You might learn something, who knows, but yeah, definitely going to be some puffing, so be aware of that. Might drop the occasional cuss word, be aware of that. That's the way it goes. So, um, but yeah, so this is that long-awaited, you know, four week later prepping episode. We're getting started here. And I've done a couple of false starts at starting this episode already um, prior to today and actually stopped, like started and stopped recording a few days ago because I wanted to do a little bit more research. And I found some, you know, cool methods and terminology that I wanted to work into the um, degree of coverage that we're going to do on like this topic today. Okay. Um, So again, if you've been listening for a while, you know also not only that I'm a stoner, but that we're, you know, I'm a family man. We're gardeners. We're um, homeowners here in the Pacific Northwest region and, uh, you know, in Western Washington, up in, um, you know, the Seattle metro corridor. We're in the suburbs of Seattle. And um, so, you know, definitely kind of a hot spot in the country right now for just, I mean, news headlines, period. Um, we led the led the charge early on in terms of um, corona cases uh, here in in Washington state seem to have somewhat started to get some of that under control here more recently but uh, schools are kind of back in session now I mean we're going into it's almost October right now um, my third grader is going to school remotely presently as are pretty much all kids in Washington state with very few exceptions my wife, who's an educator, is uh, teaching remotely right now as well. Um, so, you know, schools are a big place where folks 
are correctly concerned about potential exposure to the virus. And um, one thing that you're not going to hear me do here if you're coming here to to look for this is uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you coronavirus is a hoax or that it's caused by 5G or that it's, you know, specifically a um, engineered virus intended to bring about the fall of Western civilization and usher in a one world government. Um, you know, as as tantalizing as all those conspiracies always are, I try not to make that stuff my stock in trade. It doesn't actually matter that much if you believe that stuff or not. Because absent a conviction that those sort of conspiracies are true and those are the forces moving behind the scenes of what you're dealing with in front of your face every day, you don't even need to focus on that to understand that we're in a place. We're in a situation. And if you're a person who, like me, has a family who you care about and who you would obviously lay down your life for to help protect them and ensure they get just one more day of life in this earth. You can't just think about today. You can't just keep your head down and keep watching the latest releases on Netflix and delude yourself because frankly, that's what you would be doing. You cannot delude yourself into imagining that you're not in a situation that you don't have the need to plan for the future. So we do that around here. We've been doing that around here. We've been homeowners for over 10 years now in the in this area and uh, in the same home. And it's a modest little suburban home. As we get into the prepper discussion, the types of preppers there are, etc., you know, you'll quickly come to understand where we slot ourselves in, in that prepper pantheon. We're obviously more likely to be bug in, hunker down, shelter in place type preppers than your average young single person uh, who might very well fancy their chances a little better by packing up, getting mobile, traveling light, trying to head out to a more sparsely populated area of their particular region in the hopes of finding some calm, finding some peace, getting some time back. We don't really have that luxury, you know. Um, we've got, fortunately, everybody in my family is pretty healthy. We don't have a lot of chronic illnesses that require, like, prescription medication or anything like that right now, knock on wood. But you just can't move that fast with an 8-year-old and a 4-year-old. They're not quiet. They're not... As you know, they're not up for carrying, packing all their own gear physically. A lot of situations where you have any kind of disaster occur, mobility is one of the first things impacted with folks anyway. So, our existing shelter, our existing home, while it may be closer than we like for comfort to the city or closer than we like in terms of for comfort to, um, you know, urban and suburban would be 
future criminals in a more SHTF like, you know, breakdown of society situation. People are getting hungry. People are starting to range around the neighborhoods looking for things that aren't bolted down so that they can barter those items for more food for their family. It'll be shocking to folks how quickly that kind of stuff does begin to occur in a situation where, you know, the grocery stores close and don't open back up. You know, and folks have already gone ahead and opened them back up for themselves and taken what they wanted anyway. So, this is the type of preppers we are. We're, we're you know, wannabe homesteaders, suburban homesteaders. Uh, some of you know we have laying hens in our backyard. Some of you know we have quail. Tiny, tiny micro hens. <laughs> I call them everything around here. I call them baby ducks, pigeons, everything, but they're they're quail. The chickens we've always kept for eggs only and partially for a backyard, you know, uh, backyard pet, right? Um, haven't I, I don't think we've ever eaten one of our chickens, maybe once. I think we might have had one, you know, processed by a local butcher a few years back. But uh, laying hens are different than meat hens anyway, so you know certainly in a pinch. <laughs> but they're not they're not what you you know they're not your butterballs from the store, right? Uh, quail, however, we raise both for eggs and for their meat. They're wonderful, small footprint, um, you know, easy to care for, uh, quieter than the chickens in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I mean, they got they got they have their sounds. They have their little rooster crows and things like that. But they're they're pretty awesome sounding. They're they're a wild wild fun little animal to have around. Um, but you know, as long as we can maintain a decent supply of feed for both the chickens and the quail, we feel like we've got a really nice low key potential source of, you know, renewable, sustainable meat for the family, frankly. Okay. We have an incubator. We can hatch new quail anytime in I, I want to say it's an 18 day incubation period in the incubator before they hatch um, we actually have quail of different ages in different tiers in our little quail condominium um, and yeah and basically you know the whole plan there was establish at least the possibility of a sustainable food pipeline that can supplement our preps, our, you know, normal grocery acquisition, and um, what we can grow in the garden here at home. So um, I guess I've started this by characterizing the types of preppers that we are, okay? We are the homesteader prepper. We are the shelter-in-place prepper family. We are a uh, prepper family who tries to share some of what we're doing both publicly on our social media accounts and uh, through interactions with our neighbors. Because we, we don't, in particular, we don't feel like the, the trade-off of being more secretive in this case is the highest value move for us and for the family in the future 
all our neighbors in my line of sight that I that I can see in my up and down my block for the most part are pretty solid folks and um, I wouldn't want to see anything bad happen to any of them so you know I don't mind my neighbors knowing that we do have some preps because we've been here for years like I said and many times over the years as we've you know sat around and socialized and come together as neighbors uh, and talked about what we're all doing you know um, especially in like interesting times like this uh, you know I just have always figured that it would be better to just let people know hey we're here this is what we do and are doing and by all means whatever you need if we can help you we'll help you um, you know we're not just prepping just for ourselves nor do we imagine for a moment that we can feed the whole block for even you know more than a couple of nights without running out of food ourselves but it's it's not something that's out of the question we're always intending to continue to be part of our community and to try to contribute to the like straight up survival of our community um that's just who we are we don't share the nitty-gritty details of every single thing we have around here we don't you know tip our hand completely in terms of what we may or may not have in terms of very important topic frankly for emergency preparedness for our home defense that's not something that everybody needs to have the itemized list of what we're about over here frankly if you're my neighbor and you've known me for years even just in passing and you've heard anything about what I'm doing around here and you were to ask yourself is this family ready to protect themselves in an emergency in an adverse a situation of adversity uh, if you were to come to a conclusion of anything other than hell yeah they're ready well good luck with that conclusion I guess I don't delude myself into thinking that you know I'm some Harrison Ford family man action hero in the making that I'm going to transform into fucking um, Gerard Butler or something when <laughs> marauders start coming around here. But by no means are we just going to greet interlopers with, you know, snacks and high fives. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the... That's the dark side of like preparedness and, and, you know, turning over in your mind the different possibilities of scenarios that could occur. We're not going to focus much on personal defense, home defense today. All right. We may get there in the future. What we're going to do, however, is go on to describe other types of preppers. So you've got a guy like me who thinks he's still got his head screwed on straight, who tries not to turn into a hoarder, but who's definitely thinking about preps that the family can do week in, week out, month in, month out. The month that has elapsed since the last podcast here um, has almost entirely been consumed by garden work. 
um, construction of a bike shed to get some of my sports equipment and stuff like that uh, better stored away for the winter and to get back some organizational space to do more prepping and provision storage and other things like that, uh, create some space under our covered patio area so we can do things like process quail in the in the fall and winter if we need to as well. So it's been a busy month. It's peak garden season and harvest season. So this is the kind of preppers we are. We're this, you know, hopefully multifaceted, fairly well-rounded uh, prepper family. We may not have all the same options for going mobile and getting out of the city, so to speak, as some others who are a little bit further out than us might have. Um, and so for a lot of reasons, we're expecting that in most circumstances that are rough, power outages, other basic natural disasters, some sort of civil unrest situation, hopefully in most circumstances we can expect to stay right where we are, keep a low profile, maintain a good perimeter sort of awareness of what's going on right in the neighborhood, and, uh, and ride it out at home, okay? So that's prepper type number one, me. I just put myself at the top of the list there for you. How do you like that? Uh, <laughs> um, we're a little different than, say, the baby preppers or proto-preppers who maybe we were a few years ago and who uh, maybe hopefully a lot of you actually already are as well. And that would be like the accidental prepper or the um, CDC, uh, FEMA, emergency preparedness type folks, right? And, and this is not a knock on anybody who's, you know, pays attention to local news, pays attention to local agencies, um, listens to their local fire department blog or, um, you know, community police outreach blog. I don't know what the fuck these people do. Um, I do see some stuff come up in like the stupid next door app, um, you know, from Seattle PD and stuff like that, trying to talk to people about, you know, how to, how to be prepared for an emergency, you know, however much I might like or dislike certain you know, groups and elements of society these days and how much of a, um, you know, fucking anarchist, communist, liberal shitbird you think I am. It doesn't matter. Everybody, you're going to pick who you want to get your info from. You're going to want to, you know, everybody's going to have a different source that they trust for information. Um, I'm just saying that even those blogs, even those sources of information can get people started thinking in the right direction for how to look ahead and how to tighten up their own personal ship at home, how to raise their level of preparedness at home. The CDC, FEMA, emergency prepper type might be a little bit more basic kind of uh, preppers. All right, you guys might have a bucket of those Costco emergency provision meals like chucked up in the attic somewhere. Maybe you just have a few extra canned goods and things like that or are ready at, you know, the first kind of indication that something's coming through, windstorm, wildfire, whatever, that you're you're already ready to jam out to a local spot that you know and trust that isn't already overrun by panicked toilet paper 
supporters and shore up a few items that you may need to get through a long weekend or a week without power, for example, that kind of thing. So I'm definitely characterizing these CDC type preppers as like power outage emergency preppers, right? But even this family is better prepared than a, a, a you know a non-prepper, a a a willfully non-prepping type family for even these mild emergencies. Uh, anybody who's been in a power outage for more than two or three days before knows how very tedious it gets very quickly to do what used to be really basic things. Um, in our home without power, we don't have heat except for the wood stove. The reason why is because even though the furnace is propane fired, the pilot and the blower for the house are electric. Right? So, no power, you can't turn on the furnace. It won't light, it won't ignite, and it won't circulate the warm air through the house. So, we're fortunate we have a wood stove fireplace, wood stove insert in our fireplace, and can, you know, maintain a semblance of comfort in the case of a wintertime power outage. A lot of folks may not have a working fireplace at home these days, right? This is where we hear, you know, you may be one of those people. Um, you're going you're gonna to be tempted to try to figure out another way to generate heat. You're going to need a space heater of some type. Some folks end up resorting to kerosene heaters, propane heaters of different kinds. Not only do those um, obviously pose fire risks in the home, uh, there's a not insignificant risk of carbon monoxide poisoning as well. So, uh, you know, you may not have hot running water. That can be a problem for a lot of folks. Um, not just because you don't have hot coffee in the morning or, you know, yummy soup, uh, but you may need it for sanitation. You may need it for, you know, dressing bandages or, you know, staying clean, staying sanitary for, for some injury that was suffered. You know, sometimes injuries and natural disasters go hand in hand. You were on your way home from a windstorm, natural disaster, got in a car accident, got, you know, clipped by a tree branch, uh, you know, these things that normally would be, I won't say no big deal, but something that you could at least seek medical attention for, that may be the last thing that you want to or even able to do in an emergency. So uh, that raises the very real and very big area of preparedness that is a huge area of opportunity for myself, and that is to say a weakness right now, an area that needs improvement, and that is what are your medical first aid skill sets? What toolkit, and I don't mean the band-aids and gauze and ibuprofen in your first aid kit, I mean what toolkit of actual first aid administering skills do you or anyone in your family or your team or your party have? I know for me, one of my biggest goals for 2021, I don't mean to put it out all the way out to there right now, but I'm saying it's on the radar is I need to get some current first aid training, some, um, some kind of 
trauma pack into my first aid pack. All we have is basic household first aid kits to this day. We have nothing for treating, you know, uh, a major injury, a, you know, let's just face it, like something scary, like a gunshot wound, okay? Um, Without involving ourselves directly in any kind of conflict, without ever looking for trouble, um, people get caught up or caught out or, you know, literally um, collaterally injured in cases of civil unrest and, you know, um, protests and rioting, etc. And uh, we've seen people get shot this year. Most of those people have been directly involved on the front lines of the protests. But of course, I'm saying that, you know, I mean, my son fell down and broke his elbow this summer playing with his cousins. Okay. We had to go to the emergency room in the middle of Corona. And we talked the entire time. We had been talking all summer about, hey, nobody's allowed to get hurt. We're not going to the hospital. If you get hurt, we're setting your bones right here in the backyard. (laughs) You know, all that stuff. I'm here to tell you. There was no way in the world we were going to be able to make that boy comfortable in the moment without having gone to the hospital. It was a rough wake-up call. He was a sad little man until we got him casted up. Got the, you know, luckily he was treated with over-the-counter Tylenol and stuff like that. He's four, you know. They're not giving him anything major. He had a little tiny chipped elbow, but... uh. It was a wake-up call, you guys. I mean, you could die from a damn stubbed toe in the SHTF if you don't watch out. So that's a that's a tangent. Bring up your fucking healing powers, all right? Get 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 a book on first aid. Watch some videos on first aid. Take a class on first aid. Go down to the local fire department and find out when they're teaching those CPR classes. Sign up for them. In this household, my wife does have some first aid training that she's gotten several times over the years as an educator, but I'm sure that's pretty rudimentary. And, uh, you know, she even admitted recently that we could use a refresher collectively on all of that. So that's a goal we've identified for this coming year. All right. But so getting back off that tangent and, and, you know, tying it up on the CDC FEMA emergency prep types, I'm here to say that if you're at that level right now, you're well on your way, okay? Uh, I'm glad you have flashlights and batteries in the house, all right? I'm glad you have road flares in the trunk of the car and maybe some jackets and blankets in the trunk of the car and some extra water bottles in the trunk of the car. Maybe even some boots and gloves and warm caps in the trunk of the car, okay? You're on your way. Now, just take everything you've already learned and keep going. Okay? You need more food than just for a long weekend. You need more food than just for a week. You need to think about how you're going to preserve the food in your freezer if you do have a power outage at any other time than the dead, dead, dead of winter and not have that food go bad. Okay? Pretty straightforward there. You need a backup generator of some size in your house, in your garage, in your shed, in your zone. Speaking of generators, uh, the next type of prepper probably will have a generator, okay? And these are people who I would call a little bit closer to my type, all right? I'm calling them full-on preppers, quote-unquote. These are like your 
Red Greens, maybe. Uh, Dale Gribbles of the world. Uh, this type of prepper, probably a little bit more upfront about their lifestyle, right? Like I already characterized myself. Um, they might be the type who, you know, shares tips and theories with their neighbors or forms a team with their neighbors, uh, you know, one or two, has a prepping buddy. They talk to people in their community to sort of feel out who their community member will, you know, who their community members will be in a pinch. Uh, these Reds and Dales, you know, they live right in the neighborhood with you. Okay, they, they have nice, well-kept homes and, and lawns. As I said, these guys do have that generator. All right. They might even have a little tent trailer or small camper or RV, some other modest you know, and it might even be a little bit moldy and have some spider webs around the corners, but really a vehicle that's ready to either be hitched up behind their truck um, or drivable itself. They have a, a bug out plan. You know, they're bugging in or bugging out. They could go either way. These types are people who grew up in the family with a preparedness mindset already, right? Maybe they have families with ancestral memories of hard times, the Great Depression, other adversity, right? Immigrating from another country where there was civil unrest. Uh, so, you know, they don't necessarily, you wouldn't see it on their on their sleeve. They're not wearing the tactical gear and the American flag cap and the, you know, don't tread on me t-shirt. These are just like regular dudes, right? But they've they've got some skills However well-developed or however rusty they might be, maybe they were an Eagle Scout when they were younger. You know, maybe they just came up hunting with their family. But they've got a skill set. It might be rusty. It might not be practiced all the time, but it's going to be there for them when they need it. And that full-on prepper is trying to have the mindset of being ready to see themselves through any foreseeable catastrophe. All right. They're a practical and pragmatic individual. They might not be a bad prepper for you to get to know, learn a thing or two from. Some of them can be kind of kooky, so watch out for that, obviously. Um, another type of prepper who you definitely have heard of, maybe even seen on TV, depicted here and there, and that's the... Uh, the sort of prepper who figures they're, they're already successful. They didn't mean to prep so much or don't feel the need to prep so much as they've already got everything they want or need in life because they just already operate at a certain level of affluence and consumerism that makes it possible for them to have a whole beer just full of fridge or a whole fridge just full of beer. You know, um, maybe a whole wine cellar full of wine. Uh, this is the type that I call a precious metals hoarder or the Scrooge McDuck kind of prepper. And uh, that's definitely a term that, you know, some other, I, I think I got it from some other prepper on YouTube somewhere. He, he was talking about the Scrooge McDuck precious metal hoarders. Um but they're definitely out there, right? This is a this is a type. Um, this is a type who doesn't look visibly like a prepper. They're driving an Audi and stuff like that. Um, but they're off at home 
listening to interesting and sometimes scary fringe news commentators of different types and they're prepping in their mind all right how are they prepping they're they've already bought a property in the hills that place is somewhat stocked up they've got bank accounts in different places they've got assets out of bank accounts that are liquid that they have direct access to and they basically figure that in an shtf grid down type scenario between what they've already got at home in terms of actual consumables that they need to get by and their not inconsiderable monetary resources that they're going to continue to be in a place where a position where they'll be able to trade barter purchase anything else they need to keep going i mean it's, it's certainly an approach right i i don't know um if you're rich enough you probably live in a home where you know maybe you're in a secure ish community gated community maybe your home property itself is fully fenced um both front and back and you can sort of again hunker down shelter in place much more resolutely because perhaps you can actually defend that location um it's a way to go i don't know um these folks don't garden that much these folks don't uh you know talk prepping that much they don't you know do a lot of the other you know they're not doing that homesteading thing they're just kind of stocking up and figuring that they can get somebody to work with them in all circumstances so um not the approach i really i, I don't know i mean maybe if i was richer i would be that guy i don't know uh so that's that's your scrooge mcducks uh, probably know the least about them and worry the least uh about them of everybody another type of prepper that i think is a very interesting and potentially very skillful uh individual um or family in shtf would be the bushcrafter type prepper okay what's bushcraft steve what the, what the heck is this hey come on where have you been you've been under a rock you never watched survivor man you never watched like man versus wild you never watched naked and afraid you never watched any of these youtube channels like silent bushcraft or anything like that it's simple all right you get naked you throw on a loincloth you head out to the woods you eat bugs you pull up wild onions from the side of creek beds you fashion your own shelter you uh create fire from rocks and sticks basically you're going back to nature all right you're you're going to become a modern caveman you're going to be a a a fur trapper in the woods a frontiersman all right this is the bushcrafters are folks who are practicing skills in the modern world that used to be absolutely essential to everyday survival when you did live in the 18th century in the in North America in the 17th century in North America you made your own clothes if you wanted bread for your family you started 
two days ahead of when that bread was going to come out of the oven. Or, more accurately, you never stopped making bread because somebody's finishing some bread all the time and you have to have more anyway and there's no store to go to. Your bushcrafter knows how to make that bread. Your bushcrafter knows how to make the oven to put the bread in. Your bushcrafter knows how to fashion a fork and knife out of twigs and branches to work with that food once you've prepared it. A bushcrafter can or may be able to, let's say may be able to, because everybody's different, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but a bushcrafter may be able to forage for wild edibles. They may be able to trap wild animals for food. They may be able to slowly, like, even the power imbalance that they would normally have by being naked in a loincloth in the woods um, by drawing on their skills and their abilities to slowly but surely improve their situation out in the wild. Build a shelter, improve that shelter over time, have selected a good location in the first place to do this squatting, this sheltering in place. Um, yeah, this is your this is your Davy Crockett types, your Grizzly Adams types, your as I said, survival man, survivor man types. Bushcrafters are often the type of people who do pay attention to and practice skills like first aid. So because they anticipate the possibility that they may be injured in a remote circumstance or physically remote location where there's absolutely no recourse to getting medical aid from somewhere else. Um, so these would be skills that a bushcrafter type prepper would prize highly. While there are almost limitless number of methods of doing almost everything that the bushcrafter tries to iterate in the field out of their environment that you and I can go to the store right now and buy that make things easier. Bic lighters, knives with sharp edges that are durable and are going to last for years, cordage that it doesn't, that isn't rotting or won't rot in the matter of days or weeks. Um, you know, you make a shelter out of sticks and leaves and things like that, and you're tying it up using, you know, bark cordage and stuff like that. Not everybody's got the skill to do that stuff to a level where it's got half a chance of having real durability, right? So um, bushcraft isn't about what's easiest or what's per se best all the time, but it's about what do you even have and what can you do with what you even have like full-on preppers the bushcrafter is a pretty practical individual in fact you know in in a lot of cases they're even more practical and pragmatic than your full-on preppers at least insofar as they may panic later right they may be able to maintain their poise a little longer because they were already planning on working kind of hard at getting through their day each day so um, that type of prepper is really interesting, really compelling type, maybe very skilled, maybe somebody who would make a great ally or a member of your team or party in an SHTF um, type of 
scenario. Uh, very different from the bushcrafter. You know, and I know we're just we're just we're just banging away at these here today. Okay, this is like your prepping overview 101 today. I hope you guys are smoking. I'm certainly smoking. It's the end of the gardening season and all of you cannabis growers are probably getting ready to have your crops come in. If not, I've already started taking them down. We'll look forward to some fresh, fresh flowers in everybody's stashes here real soon. It's a great time of year for that. But yeah, you know, enjoy yourselves. I hope you got some nice coffee or tea and are hanging out with me right now, sessioning, maybe, maybe harvesting some of the last bounties from your garden. I posted about that yesterday on Instagram. Our garden hasn't quit yet, and yours probably hasn't either, so don't quit on it. Get out there and get some of those last fruits and preserve them for the, for the winter. Um, so yeah, let's see. bear with me here while I take a puff. Join me if you, if you care to do so. treat tangy cross right now and it's absolutely wonderful so got a couple more couple more prepper types here for you before we round out this list we'll probably be done by about an hour i'm sure so who's the opposite of your bushcrafter well if the bushcrafter is naked in a loincloth out in the woods the opposite of this guy is going to be the shelter in place bunker building hoarder type all right maybe they don't have a bunker but what they do have is a very well stocked pantry a very well stocked back stock of all their medical and personal sanitation and um, comfort supplies they're a hoarder all right excuse me hoarder to um, you know use a really bland and cliched term this type of prepper might be weird they might be pretty normal maybe they're very normal and they're this type of prepper for a very simple reason they're older less mobile than they were when they were a few years younger maybe they don't have a lot of family and friends to either rely on or to have to worry about caring for themselves Maybe they have a chronic medical condition, okay? It could be as simple as something like diabetes. It could be a bad ankle or knee. They know they can't bug out. They know there's nowhere to bug out to for them, okay? So that type of prepper slash hoarder, they're where they're at. They're in the circumstance that they're in. There's a lot of person who is in that circumstance, that less personal physical mobility, that like impacted personal um, health integrity, um, that they can still do to take care of themselves and do the most to be, you know, the type of person who actually, even though they look on paper at first to be compromised, right? Therefore, possibly, uh, I don't know, a liability or a drag on your party. Depending on what their other life experience and background might be 
this individual might still be very valuable in your SHTF community. And they may be worth protecting and helping, even though they themselves aren't going to be the first one to jump to the front living room window with their rifle in one hand and peek through the curtains, you know, with the other. This person may have that first aid and medical background that your party needs. This person may have uh, simple down-home sewing skills, cooking skills. They may be the food preservation expert in your group. So don't underestimate this type of prepper. Don't judge them too harshly. Um, I would counsel you to seek to understand your friends and family and community and and understand that, you know, while none of us are, you know, firing on every single preparedness cylinder all the time and, you know, doing Shanti's insanity workout in the basement, you know, every single morning since Corona to be fit for the fucking apocalypse. People still have a lot to offer and people still have a great deal of resilience and people still have a great deal of uh, will to live and those things are the things that are going to keep you going in the SHTF and you know a CrossFit body is a great thing to have but that's probably not going to be the only determining factor in how well you do in a SHTF world So, yeah, that's our hoarder, all right? Um, seek to understand them. Seek to make friends with them. They might be the one keeping you guys in food for an extra month sometime. Who knows? Uh, next type of prepper is one that we do resemble slightly, but um, this is a little bit different version of me than me, and that is the um, just the gardener slash hippie type prepper. Okay, um, and these are folks who I absolutely love. I'm not tripping. I'm not judging anybody for being a quote-unquote hippie. I'm, I'm a quote-unquote hippie type in a lot of ways, right? Obviously. Go listen to any of the podcasts for the last three years, and I'm sure you'll be able to tell. However, you know, however I might try to come off on the front end, you all know I'm just a damn dirty hippie underneath it all right so this is not a knock on on a certain you know uh, gross generalization of people right this is a blanket statement we're just labeling people here it's horrible but the gardener hippie type this is who i'm talking about the non-violent i wouldn't hurt a fly i won't even stop you if you're gonna come at me you know with violence um and they're hoping that somehow their positivity, their compassion will see them through. I hope, I hope you're right. And I'm not even saying that that's not possible. Okay. But it's a, it's a type of prepper who may have some strengths. That being, you know, maybe they're seed saving. Maybe they have a little greenhouse or two and are starting their growing season early and keeping it going late, keeping overwintering a few really important 
herbs and other plant types that everyone in the community could benefit from year-round, right? They may be your little neighborhood nursery that are ready to provide other members of the community with veggie starts and things like that come spring. They may be your herbalists. They may be your healer types, right? So beautiful people, wonderful people. Potential weaknesses for many of these sorts of folks, just, you know, the personality type that sometimes is that person, they may not place the same emphasis on personal defense. And they may not even philosophically care to defend themselves with violence, right? So that's just the the flip side of that coin. Not all gardener and hippie types are like that. You know, many of them, they may not have a AR-15 up in a well-lit freaking tech room gun closet of theirs but they might very well have grandpa's pump action 12 gauge that never let him down kicking around somewhere you don't need too many more than one of those to present as anything but a pushover right so i'm not saying that there's no possibility of this type of prepper being also aware of and valuing personal defense to some degree. It's just a possibility. Okay. That does bring us to our last type of prepper. It's kind of a hybrid. Okay. Um, you're going to run into this person. Maybe you already know this person. Um, and you don't know in some cases whether they're one side of the hybrid or the other. And that is the tactical slash tactic cool prepper. So your tactical prepper is a person who probably has some military experience in their past, right? Um, maybe even law enforcement experience. Uh, maybe they come from a family that has been involved in that side of uh, society for you know, generations. So these people are conversant with firearms. They're conversant with tactics and things like operational security. They're preppers who are up on their weapons and ammo and a little bit of fitness sometimes, not always. A little bit of medical uh, first aid type skills. Again, sometimes, not always, but usually a little, little bit. And these are the skills that they are going to rely on to get them through any emergency, any long-term grid-down scenario. The problem with some of these guys is because of the amount of equipment and gear that they have that literally puts them in a position of having the potential to exert physical force on others, right? Violence against others that others may not be able to meet in kind. This type of prepper is potentially, if they're not also doing one of the other types of prepping, these are your bandits in the making. These are your marauders in the making. These are the raiders who you need to 
concern yourself with if you're a hoarder, shelter-in-place prepper or a gardening hippie-type prepper or a full-on, you know, bunker-building, backyard, video camera-having prepper. The hybrid flip side of the tactical prepper coin is the tactical prepper. This is a person who is an aficionado of military-style training and tactics, law enforcement-style training and tactics, tactics, the, the aesthetics, the equipment. Um, but the tactical guy, this is your zombie apocalypse dude who's got gaudy knives and unnecessarily bright flashlights and not enough food stored up and not really enough of the ammo for their primary weapon that they actually do need to get through. And they also finally lack the mental mindset or the actual background and training to wield what they do have effectively. This person may fancy themselves exactly the same type of prepper that the tactical guys are and fancy themselves just as effective and just as strong and just as unflappable. These people are, I would say, probably very dangerous in most circumstances and almost ones to be avoided. Even though they may have some of the tools and equipment that you would love to have around. They go and buy weird gadgets. They've got chainsaws on poles to <laughs> defend their perimeter with and other weird stuff. They're, they're, you know, they're booby trapping their perimeter and stuff like that. But, um, you know, their judgment may be not as good as some others. So, you know, the tactical person might simply be a prepper who's in a certain place in their prepping journey and coming through a certain mindset. It's scary to think about emergency preparedness and SHTF and grid down and WROL without rule of law and all these terrible potential circumstances. When people get scared, they say, all right, let me get some guns and some armor and some helmets and some fucking, we're going to stock up around here. We're just going to get ready. I'll do some push-ups now and then, <laughs> you know, um, that person may very well continue to evolve and become a more well-rounded prepper and a uh, more mature person who, you know, moves from a place of shock and dismay and, um, you know, reacting to their fear to a place where maybe they've been doing that for a while and they get tired of that themselves and begin to continue to move through and, and further evolve personally. So, you know, that's not that's not to say that that tactical dude in your group, if they're, if they're really a good guy, they may still be worth saving. They may still be worth having on your squad. All right. But understand them. Call them out for what they are. If that's who you're looking at, let them know that that shit won't fly. And, uh, you know, help them. Right? Help them. Bring them along develop them yourself all right we're just a couple minutes shy of an hour 
and I hope you've felt that I've stayed pretty on topic today. I had a you know longer script written previously and like I said even started in on this once and stopped it. Uh, it's just such a big topic and there's a lot of different folks who cover this topic and this lifestyle different ways and I've always tried to you know stop short of turning into like a panic merchant fear merchant type podcaster that's not what we're doing here we're about being prepared and having a confident resilient mindset and having a set of plans that we can at least go to that may break instantly but that at least were plans plural To help us through any situation and this is what i'm going to end on is something called pace planning and this is something that i think definitely came from the military uh found out about it recently on a prepper's channel i really should <laughs> didn't do that great of a job crediting other prepper channels that i follow uh here audibly today but i'll try to include a few good channels in my links uh on the description of this podcast episode but I want you to, this is your homework assignment. You, you know, if you're, if you're listening to all this today and you're like, yeah, I really need to, we need to start doing a little bit more around here. We need to start doing a little bit more. Let me tell you how to apply a uh, thought process to how to start to stand up your, uh, raise up your family preparedness level. We've talked about the different areas of preparedness, right? You need food, you need shelter, you need sanitation, you need your medical needs looked after so make sure if you've got prescription drugs in particular that you rely on to survive that you're stocking up on them and you've got home defense okay there's other aspects but those are the five pillars that i focus on personally and when i say food i mean food for everybody for the pets and for the backyard animals etc so that's a lot of planning you got to do but here's the method it's called pace okay p-a-c-e acronym I told you it was coming from the military, right? So it's got to be an acronym. P stands for primary. That's your primary plan of action. This is, your, this is what we're going to do when the power goes out. All right. A is your alternate plan. Your alternate plan. Okay. Power went out and the chimney's blocked for some reason or we're out of propane. What's your alternate heating plan? All right. C, contingency. Okay, your primary plan didn't work. Your alternate is impacted for some reason. You need to move to a contingency plan. Okay, maybe the family rolls out from the house to the RV where you've got the ability to turn on the engine and heat things up and make a warm meal. Right? So there's your contingency. Okay, finally, E. We've been primary alternate contingency and you can rightly assume that e is emergency okay e is okay now we're going to start that rv up and head out and try to get clear of the city get out to uh, grandma's house where she does have two fireplaces and three cords of wood laid up for the winter let's get out there you can apply pace thinking and methodology to each of the five areas of home defense that we just talked about as areas to look at. And you look at 
you know, your food supplies and apply pace thinking to them. You look at your medical supplies and apply pace thinking and methodology to them. On down the list. Okay, so you can find a few different people talking about pace on places like YouTube. You can probably also Google it and find blogs writing about pace planning and how that works. And then just, you know, you, you can literally go to your laptop or your home computer up at home and begin to, without a lot of hard work on your part or, or you know, overhead, these are just like straight boring lists you can write of what's your primary of each of these areas. What's your alternate plan for each of these things to keep everybody in homeostasis? That's prepping. That's what's up, you guys. It's 2020. If you're not prepping yet, you're lacking. All right? You're going to be wishing you had been. I really hope everybody who's listening to the podcast and who made it this freaking far already is one of the types of preppers that I discussed in the episode today or fancies themselves one to two of those types of preppers. And I hope that you're doing something almost every day to raise your level of preparedness at home for your family and for your community. We need each other. We really do. And I've run over. I wanted to cut it at an hour. We're at an hour and two before edits. So we'll see if we can't get that two minutes back in post. I love you guys. Thank you for your patience this month. September was actually an unbelievable month for downloads for the Baked and Wake podcast. So, wow. I don't know what you guys were doing this past month. I was in the garage and in the yard, obviously not podcasting, but people have been listening to the archives. So I love it. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me keep doing this three years on and to look when I didn't even publish this past month and look at one of my best months of downloads ever. Like, wow. I mean it. Thank you. We'll be back again soon. I don't even know what we're going to talk about next week. I got, I got a few different things on the plate. It's always fun, though. What do we do when we leave this place? We get out there, and we go have a good week. We smoke indica, and we do shit anyway. You don't apologize to anybody for that.